Welcome to the In Doubt Podcast, where we explore the challenging topics that young adults often face. Each week, we talk with guests who help answer questions of faith, life, and culture, connecting them to our daily experiences and God's Word. For more info on In Doubt, visit indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. Hey everybody, it's so good to have you for this episode of In Doubt. This is Courtney, and I'm looking forward to what we've got for you today. If you were with us for the last episode, you would have heard James Ellis III, university chaplain of Trinity Western University, talk through his story and the racial divides in today's culture. I'm excited to welcome him back for a second conversation with Daniel, and this time we're going into a discussion of COVID-19. This pandemic has stopped all of us in our tracks. It slowed our normal pace of life and the rhythms that we've become accustomed to. So Daniel and James are taking the time to address our response, looking straight to the Bible and what God says. It's not a light conversation because each of us recognizes the loss that's accompanied with the novel coronavirus. Loss of income, loss of businesses, and most importantly, and the biggest loss, the loss of life. As you'll hear James comment that not one of us is going to make it through this without being affected in some way. So with that said, here's the discussion with Daniel and James Ellis III. Hey, welcome to In Doubt. My name is Daniel Markin and I'm joined again by James Ellis III. How you doing, James? I'm doing well. I'm in the land of the living, so, so all is well. Good, good, good. And just again, for our listeners who might not have listened to you the last time you were on the program, uh, could you just give them a quick recap of who you are and uh, what you do? Tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, as of September 16th, uh, last fall, I came on board at Trinity Western University as the university chaplain and director of student ministry. So I have a staff of fellow chaplains that I kind of lead here and preach pretty often and all kinds of cool ministry things. And grateful to be here. Well, we're happy to have you at Trinity Western, but also joining us on the program today. The thing I want to talk about in this episode, in this discussion that we're going to do, I want to talk about the current event that everyone is talking about, which is coronavirus or COVID-19. And I want to hear from you how you're dealing with this. You're a chaplain. You are you know, brought onto to the campus to be a spiritual leader for students. How has that been at Trinity Western? How are you handling all of this? And how are you finding hope amidst all of this COVID-19? Yeah, it'd be my pleasure. Um, I I would say, first off, um, you know, my heart goes out to um, those who are experiencing loss. Um, You know, as you mentioned, those who are losing, uh, you know, money or businesses, those who um, have lost, uh, you know, particularly the biggest loss, the loss of life. You know, um, whether that's a, a grandparent or, you know, God forbid, a spouse or, or you know, who knows, just um, this this is a, a global, you know, issue and something that no one is going to to come out from untouched. You know, um, your money isn't going to save you. Um, your connections aren't going to save you. There's there's no special hocus pocus dance that you can do that's going to sort of protect you from not being impacted by COVID-19. And so there's there's lament in that, you know, um, that's that's not an easy thing to go through. And so, yeah, I just want to acknowledge that, uh, you know, from the beginning. Yeah. As far as myself, um, I'm doing well. I mean, to to be frank, you know, this is a time where most of us are uh, sequestered, so to speak, um, in our our homes or, you know, working remotely and these kinds of things. You know, you go out 
to get groceries or maybe to do some walking, but you know, we're not doing the things that we're used to doing. And as an introvert, I'm, I'm okay with all that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is, this is the dream. This is... <laughs> you know, it's, I mean, not, it's not necessarily the dream. I mean, I do enjoy interacting with people. Um, and as much as I appreciate zoom and those kind of video conferencing, uh, technologies that we have at our um, disposal, um, even as an introvert, I mean, it's just not ideal. Like I don't enjoy staring into some screen, you know, seeing like an image of a person, even though I'm not interacting like, you know, with that person, it's a weird thing that you feel like it is alter- alternative universe. It is. And it, and just to jump in there, it is, it is tiring in a different way. Yes. And, and that's the thing that that's kind of been blowing my mind is you think, well, I don't have to go anywhere. I'm just kind of sitting, you know, in my pajamas talking to people. Which, by the way, I'm not in my pajamas, <laughs> but the the idea that it's just so different speaking to a screen, and I've talked to a lot of people who are finding it very tiring. Why do you think that is? Yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you. I've I've talked with um my staff here and, and colleagues that it's it's a strange thing, you know. Like, um, yeah, I think I think part of it is just the fatigue of of staring into sort of cyberspace, you know. Um, it's different to have a conversation, you know, just on the phone. We're used to, to doing that, I think. But the combination of audio and video and just that you're trying to focus, you know, you, you want to be attentive, um, you know, and so you're, you're having this video call and you're looking. But it's like all you can do is look into a screen. I mean, how, how engaged can you be to look into a screen, even though you're, t- you know, you're talking back and forth? It's just the weirdest thing. So I, I have experienced that, too, like just this, this, you know, I get tired and I'm like, man, I just did like one Zoom call for like 30 minutes and I just really want to take a nap. And so sometimes I do, you know, uh, I don't have any shame about that, you know? Yeah, I guess I would just say, like I said, for, for me, especially being an introvert, um, uh, I want to I wanna recognize the loss of life and the loss of finances. Those are very real and trying things. But outside of that, you know, just the slower pace of life that we're all, I think, having to move at, even the ways in which everything isn't available at our fingertips, you know, going to the store and these kinds of things, just because of the way I live my life, that honestly hasn't been, you know, a, a huge hurdle. The, the biggest thing for me is, I don't like not being able to go to the gym because um, I, I go to the gym almost every day of at least the work week, you know, Monday through Friday, um, probably at like five o'clock. And um, I just don't like not having that available. So I've had to make my own home workouts and go outside and I have a big tire, a flip and a weight vest and all kinds of different things. Um, that's what happens when you get older. You're trying to kind of think up all these ways that you can speed up your metabolism. But, but by and large, I'm doing well. I mean, I think you asked about hope, you know, how, how have I maintained hope? Um, I think it's, it's really just because of Jesus. I mean, it's kind of a cliche answer, but it's, it's not cliche because it's, it's real. You know, our hope, as the hymn says, is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and, and you know, his righteousness. So I think that's, that's where I find my hope. I mean, I, I would love to have some more money in my bank account pre or post COVID, but, uh, but I'm good because of Jesus. You know, I would, I would love to have a lot of different things in my life look different than how they, they do now. But um, my life is not dictated by those things, much, much like my life is not dictated by COVID-19. Um, you know, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so I, I put my hope and my trust in him that God is going to work all this stuff out. He has a plan. Um, he doesn't run his plans by me and, like, have a, you know, little committee huddle. He doesn't call me on Zoom and say, yo, I, I really need to um, check in with James and, you know, see how, how he feels about this thing that I'm about to roll out or that I'm going to allow it to happen. So. Um, yeah, I've just tried to take my lead uh, by surrendering to Christ, um, which is really something we're, we're supposed to be doing every day, you know. So, um, yeah, it's been it's been OK, you know, tough time, but I've uh, been OK. Yeah, you, you have a good perspective on that, because 
this is something I've been reflecting on as well, is that the Lord, he knew this was coming and he, he was not afraid of it coming. Like he allowed this for his glory and for the purposes of his kingdom. And even though we don't see those right now, we, we can't deny the fact that God is sovereign over every single situation. I agree. I mean, it can sound, again, I don't mean to be dismissive. Again, there's, there's significant things that have happened in terms of uh, loss and, and we need to you know, recognize those things and, 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 you know, be there for people to mourn with people as they mourn, to weep as they weep again over, you know, loss of even some material things, retirement, you know, whatever it may be and the loss of, of life, which is the, the greatest loss. Um, but yeah, I agree. I mean, Romans eight twenty eight says that all things work together uh, for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. What that does not mean is that everything that happens in life is good. Uh, because you cannot find in scripture that, you know, there's some, some mandate that everything that happens in life is like the most awesome thing ever. No, that's, that, that would be ridiculous. Um, but it does mean that, um, somehow in God's infinite wisdom, uh, he, he takes the, the good, the bad and the ugly of life and somehow, you know, morphs it into this great tapestry that, that reflects, you know, w- what he wills for our lives in order to draw us closer and closer to him for us to rely more and more on him and less and less on ourselves. And I think COVID-19 or any kind of, you know, economic downturn that happens, all of this minimally um, is, is for us to, to refocus on God and those things that matter most. And so it doesn't mean it feels good, but it does mean that like anything else in life, God wants to use it um, for, his, for his glory and for our good. Yeah. And it's definitely exposing the idols that we have in our life. And what I mean by that is little things that we put in the in first place instead of God. And things that we tend to idolize instead of God. I mean, for people who idolize money, there, you know, money is is at a shortage, right? Some people aren't working, right? If you put your trust in money, well, it's going to fail you. If you put your faith in health, you idolize your health. I mean, you're a guy who likes going to the gym, being active. Uh, so am I. But if I put all of my faith into my health, if I idolize it, well, you know, one small virus comes and changes all of that. And it, it does, again, just remind the Christian, and, and we have hope that we can actually just put our identity, our faith, everything we have into the person of Christ and trust that what he did was enough. And because of that, there is a, a hope that weathers the storm. I mean, he is the one who calms the storm. And so, yeah, exactly what you're saying. This is a unique time for that. You know, for me, um, as as COVID-19 started sort of rolling out and ramping up to where, you know, we all started taking it, you know, a bit more seriously than than we had when maybe there was just the first mentions of it, you know, several months ago, I think we should not make anything or anyone an idol. Um, you know, nothing or no one deserves the place that God deserves to, to hold in our lives. And, and one of the ways in which it's been my impression that um, we have made something an idol has been uh, gathering together Sunday mornings for worship, um, or maybe gathering together in general. And what I mean by that is not that gathering together is bad. Of course it's good. Scripture says we should not forsake the assembly of believers, like regularly gathering together in community, whether that's for meals, um, for encouragement, for you know worship, um, etc. Those are all good and, and godly things that we should do. But I think uh, just as, you know, some of the, the restrictions in various provinces and, and the states uh, were sort of coming out, where I remember that first Sunday, 
where, you know, everybody was sort of like not gathering, you know, for church. I mean, people were losing their minds. They're like, oh my goodness, we're not able to meet. And I'm like, one Sunday? Brother, for, for one Sunday? One Sunday you can't meet and you're like losing your mind? I think sometimes the church, we don't do the greatest job, at least in the modern era, of like uh, having pause, illustrating prudence, um, exhibiting a slower pace and approach to life and, and being able to sort of take stock and say, okay, like this is what's going on. This is the reality as it is, but how can we walk by faith and not by sight and, and still respect, you know, whatever laws of the land or guidelines are, are being administered so that we can, uh, the entire whole of a country or the world really can, can get a hold on this COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. You mentioned earlier about lament. Can you explain what that is and how how we should be incorporating or how to incorporate lament into our spiritual walk? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think just generally speaking, broadly speaking, lament is is just to express, you know, sorrow, um, to express grief. And and I and I would say, you know, in, in the in the Christian context, we don't see there there being any sort of apology for that, you know. Um there, there's no reason that we have to feel bad that we feel bad about about something you know um, I don't I don't think we want to stay in a prolonged you know ever-present everyday posture of lament um, where we're just constantly like moping around or you know we're on sackcloth and ashes and beating our fists on the ground that's not healthy um, but we have a whole book in the Bible called <laughs> Lamentations that really is is about you know this this idea of lament and and you see it in the book of Job, you see it um, throughout scripture, you know, that, that there are times where Christians um, kind of a, maybe you could say are at their wit's end or face uh, their dark night of the soul and, and don't, don't maybe see God, even though God is there, but they don't see God or feel God and are just really struggling with the vicissitudes of life, um, with the ways in which, you know, life doesn't, doesn't happen all the way that you want it to. You get caught off guard and, and, and things happen, you know? And so, yeah, I think lament is really, just an acknowledgement of, I guess you could say brokenness, you know, um, that we live in a broken world. We are broken people. And I don't think, at least when I read scripture, God has called any of us to be a mini me of Jesus. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we we are not to be these little mini me's of Jesus. We are to be, you know, creations uh, that are created in the image of God, where we have personalities, we have backgrounds, we have experiences, we have, you know, pros and cons to us, nature and nurture. Um, God has called us to be the best, you know, James or the best Daniel or the best whoever that, that he's called us to be and to steward, um, you know, our, our, our gifts and our grace as well. And, and, and in that experience, again, in a fallen world with fallen bodies and fallen people, uh, there's going to be calamity personally, globally. There's going to be things, uh, you know, I, I, my wife and I don't have children, but, but some, some couples suffer, you know, miscarriages. Um, some, you know, some couple that has been married for 25 years, they, they lose their 17 year old, you know, son or something like these, these kinds of things happen. And as Christians, we don't have to gloss over them. We don't have to stuff our emotions down in a box or put on a fake smile and act like everything's hunky dory. Um, we can, we can be honest with our God and honest with others and ourselves about what we're feeling. Um, and then, and then participate in the process by which God wants to sort of lift up our heads and and change our focus and our perspective that we look to the hills from hence comes our help. Yeah. And that's from Isaiah. That's a great, the, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. 
the you see David over and over and over again lamenting, and he's pouring out his heart to God, and this is the invitation of the Christian. And I heard it put really well uh, by a, a pastor I was listening to in uh, Vancouver. His name's Brett Landry, and he he said, you know, you there's times that you have to lament, and he said lamenting is good. He said there was a disappointing thing that happened in his congregation, and he said. Um, you know, it's important for us to take these emotions and, and these frustrations and lament, bring that to the Lord. He said, otherwise, if you don't, it's going to create bitterness inside of you. And so to me, lament seems like actually a really practical way that we can not harbor bitterness against God. The, the, the idea of lament is just pouring out to God saying, God, I don't know why this happens. I don't know why you're doing this, but I need you right now. And there's something that is releasing and transformational about the act of lament that I think we could uh, spend a lot more time doing, even just in our personal reflections, but in prayer, always going in prayer before God. And he, he wants to hear those laments. Yeah, I mean, uh, what you said makes me think about um, Charles Spurgeon, um, you know, was this great preacher from years ago. He said that God is too good to be unkind and he is too wise to be mistaken. And when you cannot trace his hand, we must trust his heart. And I think that really gets at, again, we all, we have feelings, we have, you know, all kinds of things that happen to us in life. And we, we can be honest with God about those things. You know, God, I'm not, I'm not encouraging anybody to cuss God out. Um, but, but God can handle, you know, our, our frustrations and our questions and all that. Um, but I think, you know, the arc of scripture leads us towards a posture that, even when we can't, we can't see what God is doing. We don't understand. It doesn't make sense. It's frustrating. We still can trust God's heart. And how do you understand God's heart? You read scripture. You see it in scripture. Yeah. As you look at the coronavirus, COVID-19, and the future of the church, what are some of the things that you see um, might be changes that are coming or bright spots that might exist as a result of this uh, that would give us hope for the future of the church you know, in looking forward, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, again, you know, this COVID-19 stuff is not good, but God will use it for his good, um, much like, again, like he has with, with anything else that has happened in human history. Um, I think some of the, the good that I, I see glimpses of and that I hope continues for us to, to get um, from this is Christians really uh, deciding that they are going to uh, live out their faith in a robust um, orthodox way. So orthodoxy and orthopraxy would come together in a, in a great marriage. I think, you know, this, this pandemic, if you will, has really exposed for a lot of people, um, maybe they haven't told someone, maybe they have, but just this, this recognition that, you know what, I don't really know if I really do rock with Jesus, you know, because it's been so easy during this this, this time of, of upheaval with finances and health and all these different things that I, I really have not, I realize I don't have this rock. I don't have this foundation that I, I, I'm firm and stable and steadfast and sober-minded uh, in my trust uh, that God and God alone, not my, not my bank account, not my 401k, not my spouse, not my kids and what they do or do not achieve in life, um, but, but Christ himself is my rock. And, and, and that's, that's upon, you know, that I stand, I stand on, on his shoulder, so to speak. I, I think it's, it's, a, it's a positive thing, you know, it's a calamity, but it, it can be used for good in the sense that I, I hope that there will be people who reevaluate their faith and maybe come to the conclusion that, you know what, maybe I've been going through the motions, but 
I really have never put my faith for real, for real in Jesus Christ. And for those who who would say that they have already put their faith in Christ, I think it has jarred us enough, hopefully, for us to realize, man, like we can still go through the motions. We can still, um, you know, idolize our kids' soccer practice. We can idolize, you know, our jobs and become workaholics and neglect our families by which we say, well, I'm, I, ha- I am a workaholic because I love my family and I want to provide, which is oxymoronic. And so, yeah, I hope that's the biggest hope, I think, for me, that people would come to faith, that the people of God who are already in Christ would realize that this is a great time for us to recalibrate ourselves and and refocus on God and prioritize him in our life, put our faith in him, not in people, um, and, and then see what God does. You know, this is this is a life that he has gifted us. We don't he doesn't owe us anything whatsoever. Um, and and I think it's a yeah, it's a great time for us to kind of double down on that. Yeah. I would say the thing I'm looking forward to and hoping for is that a renewed sense of uh, gathering with one another. I think everyone's now missing being with their brothers and sisters. And I think the idea of the church feeling like a family is something that people are really yearning for. And I hope that when we get back to the regular gatherings, that people will, will cherish that and not take it for granted. You know, church isn't something they just show up to, but they really want to be there with their friends and their family. And I just think all the smiles that uh, will be had, the joy they'll be had when we're together again is going to be, is going to be fantastic. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think, you know, as, as policies are lifted and changed, again, hopefully, you know, sooner than later, um, it, it is a great opportunity. I'm, I'm curious to see how we will steward that, you know, it, it can be real easy to say, you know, praise the Lord, hallelujah, like now we can go to church and we just fall back into the same, you know, same old, same old that we've maybe been accustomed to. Um, or we can say, praise the Lord, hallelujah, I can gather with the saints. I can be engaged more more intimately in the body of Christ to, you know, do all these different kinds of things. And I don't want it to be just run-of-the-mill Christian life. You know, I want it to be something that is dynamic. I want it to be something that is meaningful and substantive. And that means while God always does the heavy lifting, that means that I have a part to play. Like God expects me to do my part well uh, in submission uh, through the Holy Spirit. And so um, that's my encouragement for folks. Right. And I think kind of getting what you're, what you're saying there too is this is an awesome time to put habits in place. Things that, you know, the disciplines of reading our Bible, praying, we have time, a lot of us, to actually make that a habit. And so I, I hope that uh, those listening are really taking that seriously that these are the type of habits that will develop you into the person of God that God wants you to be, but also that I think deep down we want to be too. We often struggle with Bible reading. This is a great way to get that habit going so that that's something we want to do. We desire it. And not out of a place of, well, I have to read my Bible to be a good Christian, but you know that would be legalism and religion. This is, we want to read our Bible because we have been transformed and we want to know more about who our God is. Yeah, for me, you know, there's been, you know, some conversations around revival and, and, and I, you know, I, I would love to see revival for sure, uh, particularly in the, the ways, you know, when we think of revival, we probably all have different things in mind in terms of like, you know, large gatherings of people come into phase and, you know, these things that are sustained over weeks or months or, or what have you. Um, I mean, I would love to see that. So, so I want to be clear that that, that would be awesome. But I, I think sometimes what we, we fail to realize is that 
revival always begins in our hearts. You know, it begins in the hearts of individuals and how we, uh, yeah, again, try to prioritize God in our life. It doesn't mean we can say the right prayer or, you know, lay prostrate on the, on the ground and like that's going to somehow get God's attention that he's going to maybe do what we want him to do. But I think, yeah, the, the ways in which we can reflect on our own lives and our commitment to holiness or lack thereof, um, you know, just the, the sphere of influence and, and management or stewardship that God has given us. We, we can't control everything, but we can manage ourselves. We can steward ourselves and, um, and do that in light of Christ. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. You know, it's again, I, I, I lament the, the loss of life and loss of finances and, and the just jarring moment that this is for, for all of us. But, but I look forward to, yeah, the faithful in Christ to see what we'll do with it. And, and as you mentioned, not, not from a, a, a position of dogmatism and duty or anything like that, but to say, you know what, I've been bought at a price. Um, you know, freedom is not free, you know, like Christ died for me and, and I want to steward that responsibility. Well, I want to, to steward the good news. Well, and that begins first and foremost with my own life. Yeah, no, that's really good. I guess on a practical level, then you heading back to work, back to being a chaplain at uh, Trinity Western, just real quick, what are some practical things that you are hoping to implement in your ministry? Yeah, well, we were already sort of planning to move chapel into, a, you know, I guess the buzzword now is like multi-access model, which is to say, you know, we don't know if we'll have physical gatherings on campus for chapel. You know, it just depends on how the province and, and other decisions are made. But uh, we were at the very least already planning to have chapel sort of streamed online or, you know, through video or to have chapel captured, you know, through video and then, you know, do some post-production edited and then post it online where people can sort of download it at their, at their leisure. So, um, you know, some of that are things that we're, we're still moving forward with. And so I think that'll set us up well for the, the next school year. And then, you know, just continuing to try to be a, re- a resource to students, you know, it's, it, this is a different swing for all of us. And so we're all, trying to do something that we've never done before, you know, in terms of utilizing technology for, by and large, most everything, you know, if students want to meet, it's just trying to set up a Zoom call or, you know, have a phone call or, or what have you. So I think just adjusting to, again, that reality, how, how long that will be, you know, something that we have to kind of conduct ourselves in that way, we, you know, time will tell. But I think just trying to do our little part as faithful as we can, you know, I think, again, God always does the heavy lifting. And so, it doesn't mean our parts are not important. They are important. They're just never as important as, as God. And so I think I, I just want to encourage people to do, do your part well, whatever that is, um, but always recognize that, that God is the one who's, who's really carrying you through. And so that should take some of the pressure off of you. You know, he's not expecting you to be perfect. Jesus already has that covered, but just, just do your part well and, and be faithful and, you know, be earnest in, in your endeavors. Yeah. Well, that's a great word. And James, I think that's a good place to wind this thing down. Thank you for joining us and thank you for being here. My pleasure. In the face of all this change, I hope that you were able to take this conversation and apply it in your life. It's definitely a difficult time, but our outward perspective and inward posture towards God is what will make the difference in this time. So lament if you need to, reflect and feel the things you're feeling. God can handle it. 
Next week is another brand new episode of In Doubt. Isaac has the opportunity to talk with Iona Snare, and she's the Associate Director of Life Teams Ministry in Vancouver, BC. The two discuss mental health in the face of this pandemic. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to hear more, subscribe on iTunes and Spotify or visit us online at indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. We're also on social media, so make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. 